4 o'clock football frenzy. Presented by Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans. Call him now at 702-577-2600. The 4 o'clock football frenzy on Cofield and Company. Company. Football, football, more football. We got Stanford Route coming up. Our Raiders insider, NFL insider, played for the Oakland Raiders. He's up in about 15 minutes. Man, this Tim Tebow to the Jaguars has gotten opinions from uh, just about everyone in the football world. A lot of former players not happy about it. Others defending him, saying, hey, he deserves a shot. Uh, One of the legends of the league in terms of personnel, uh, former Cowboy GM personnel guy, Gil Brandt, who's doing a lot of satellite radio now, uh, Adam, he said, and never understood the vitriol aimed at Tebow, but even more perplexed by the last couple of days. Worst I've heard is he's taking a legitimate player's spot. Tebow is the best use for Jacksonville's 90th roster spot. Sell tickets, get fan base excited. That, quote, legitimate players not making the 53. So he's saying, hey, if he's a 90th player, the 90th guy normally doesn't have much of a chance to make the 53. What are your thoughts? Um, well, I mean, it sounds like he's saying it's a 90th roster spot, so we wouldn't be playing. So how is he going to sell tickets and get the fan base excited if he's not on the team? I don't really understand that. He was around for some, for most of the preseason and then doesn't make the team at the end. Then uh, maybe there's a lot of folks who will say, hey, you know what? He's making the team. I think he's making the team. They're going to play that way, and, and uh, they sell some tickets. I think he's making scam- you scam your fans into thinking he's going to be on the team to buy tickets. It's insane. Um, and and it, like I don't think anybody's making the argument that the you know the 90th roster spot guy was going to make the team, but he might be on the practice squad. He might be able to showcase himself for other teams. Um, he might you know get other opportunities out of get on the field and show showcase yourself. It's the same argument that we make for you know interviews. You know you might not be getting the job. But if you're in the, you know, if you're getting practice with interviews, if you're getting your self-exposure, if you're, you know, getting experience in the system, like that helps. And being around a team and being on the field and getting tape and, and having that experience, that helps to potentially make a team somewhere. That would be that would be the argument. And again, I I don't have any problem with it if you think that he has a chance to make the team, if you think that he's going to help your team. Fine. L- let's see what you have in him. But I have a problem if Urban Meyer is doing this to help Tim Tebow and to just be like, Hey, Tim, come around. Like we'll let you be on the roster and make it look like you're making a comeback here. That'll be fun. Like then that's a problem. Well, this whole thing blew up when people started mentioning the fact that Tebow's getting a chance. Callum Kaepernick has not gotten another chance. Eric Dickerson was uh, caught by TMZ and um, you know, he, he brings it, man. He, he brings it. He got into the racial aspect of this whole thing. You know, that's, that, that, that's how the NFL is. You know, you know, brother, it's different, it's different for us. I say that. So he's getting punished, huh? Of course he's going to get punished. I mean, he's black. That's how it is. <laughs> it's, it's a different league for us. I mean, it's, it's the truth. I mean, we know it. And I hate that because it's wrong. But T-Ball should have played fullback when they asked him eight years ago, seven years ago. He should take that job then. But. So Dickerson pointing towards, uh, I guess, the white privilege argument that Tebow's getting a chance and the cap is being punished. Yeah, I, I and I don't, you know, I, I don't have a problem with that. Um, I don't know that it's necessarily 100% true because I don't know that any other coach in the league would have given Tebow a chance except for Urban Meyer. So I, I just think it's more of a relationship thing, but you can also make the case, like, again, to go back to coaching, this is what we talk about, right? This is, you know, 
this, this is why, you know, it's not necessarily racist that, you know, the white coaches get chance after chance after chance after chance and that interview after interview and it's always the same names and everything else. But it's you have relationships. And if you don't have relationships outside of your circle, then there's not going to be any opportunities. That's that's what we talk about of having more opportunities and more interviews and more chances to be seen. And so um, in this case, this is this is a relationship thing of Urban Meyer and Tim Tebow go way back. And Urban Meyer loves Tim Tebow and thinks he's, you know, some you know great influence that he's going to bring in and, and be a part of this. And, hey, maybe I'm helping you out by you know, keeping your name relevant and, and, you know, making it look like you have a chance to be back in the NFL. And like those kind of things are what's happening. It, it, to me, it's much more of a relationship thing, but that's like the institutional, you know, race problem, not the necessarily racist problem. Jimmy Smith. We've had Jimmy Smith on the former wide receiver for the Jaguars. You know, he's one of the guys who's a Mr. Jaguar from uh, their glory era when they first came into the league and they were really good. Really early, uh, he talked to TMZ about this whole Cap uh, Tebow thing. Will Tim Tebow help him uh, stay on the right path? I heard Shannon Sharp. They could have signed Colin Kaepernick. Really? Like Shannon Sharp says. Really? We don't need Colin Kaepernick on our team. You know, with our young franchise, our young players to divide our locker room. We need a guy like Tim Tebow, who's a hometown hero, who has love for the city anyway, he's going to be a great support for Trevor Lawrence. There you go. At the beginning, he was talking about, uh, yeah, Trevor Lawrence needing to be kept on the straight and narrow. I don't know that that's why Tebow has been brought in. Uh, Trevor Lawrence is a, seems like a pretty solid citizen, and he's not going to be a, a wild man with his money. We'll get the reaction of uh, Stanford Route on the way back on what Jimmy Smith said, what Dickerson said, this uh, Tebow cap thing, and then we'll also get into the uh, big news today around the Broncos that the Broncos were not playing around with Juwan James, their right tackle who tours Achilles. Uh, hey, was he going to get paid, not get paid? He's not getting paid. He's been cut. Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans brings you the 4 o'clock football frenzy. Dial 702-577-2600 now. Home prices have never been higher, and interest rates have never been lower. Get your mortgage tune-up today by calling 577-2600. Tim Tebow is going to be great at whatever capacity he is utilized in Jacksonville. And I pray that he makes the 53-man roster because we, we need all we can get with our young quarterback. We need compet- no, a competition. We need a, the right attitude. We need a guy who's walking by faith, who's only done great things. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. Former Jack receiver Jimmy Smith, very fired up about Tim Tebow being part of uh, the organization that he calls his. We're going to get Stanford Routes' reaction here to uh, Tebow and Cap and lots of other NFL stories. It's coming up in two minutes. The spot today is brought to you by Nova Home Loans. Reminder, May is Military Appreciation Month, and Nova Home Loans is offering to waive their lender processing fee on all VA loans throughout this month. You got record low interest rates, now no processing fees. It's a great opportunity. Listen up. Great opportunity for veterans and active duty military to refinance your existing loan or purchase a home today. You got to call Nova Home Loans, 877-700-NOVA, 877-700-NOVA. And uh, Nova Home Loans did a great job lowering my interest rate and uh, hooking me up with a uh, great deal. So you should do it too, especially if you're a veteran or active duty military during this Military Appreciation Month. 877-700-NOVA. 
All right, so we got lots of folks all week long screaming, yelling, ranting, raving, defending, ripping Tim Tebow to the Jaguars. Uh, Colin Kaepernick came into the discussion, and as you just heard coming back from break, Jimmy Smith said, uh, you know what, I'd rather have Tebow as part of the organization. I don't want a guy who's going to divide the locker room like Colin Kaepernick. Stanford Route was in locker rooms, played for the Oakland Raiders. Stanford, how you doing, buddy? What's going on, fellas? Happy to be back on with you. Thrilled that you're on. Uh, we were just getting into, it's been a week-long story now since uh, Tebow signed the deal with the Jaguars, and uh, all of a sudden it turned into Cap uh, versus Tebow. Uh, what do you think of this whole thing? Oh, wow. I mean, this thing has so many different layers to it. Uh, it's a whole lot to unpack. As far as the Colin Kaepernick versus the Tim Tebow, it does bring into play this how somebody goes eight years without playing in the National Football League on the opening day roster and not even the same position that they were drafted at, why all of that seems to be bypassed, all of that seems to be ignored, and it's still, oh, yeah, go ahead, come sign on because, you know, we think you're a really good person or I have a relationship with you going all the way back to my college days at the University of Florida, and yet Colin Kaepernick, who has not been out of the league as long and still wants to play the same position that he was doing a damn pretty good job at when he left the NFL, it does raise into question why I think that the goalpost gets moved for some players rather than others. Very interesting. Well, the strongest opinion we've heard on this, and I want you to sit tight here, we're going to play a bite for you, was from Eric Dickerson, who feels like uh, Kaepernick, is being punished, part of it, because he's African-American, that Tebow, the fact that he's white, maybe he's getting the benefit here. And he went in on uh, Tebow and uh, is mad about the cap situation. You know, that's, hey, that, that, that's how the NFL is. You know, you know, brother, it's different, it's different for us. I say that. So he's getting punished, huh? Of course he's going to get punished. I mean, he's black. That's how it is. <laughs> it's a different league for us. I mean, it's, it's the truth. I mean, we know it. And I hate that because it's wrong. But Tebow should have played fullback when they asked him eight years ago, seven years ago. He should take that job then, but... All right, again, a lot to unpack there, Stanford. What do you think? Uh, is the league unfair to African-American players, especially a guy like Kaepernick? And, uh, you know, is Tebow being granted that opportunity when, uh, frankly, he should have moved the fullback or H-back years ago? I love what Eric Dickerson said. I remember when I actually met him a couple of years ago, great guy, and he's from Texas, so I was riding with my guy from Texas. Um, there's a lot of truth to what he said, and from this standpoint, Colin Kaepernick was playing quarterback, playing at a pretty high level, went, played in the Super Bowl for the San Francisco 49ers. Obviously, he starts taking a knee. That is something that drew the ire of a lot of Americans, especially within the armed forces, things like that. So that right there put a target on Colin Kaepernick's back. Now, what Eric Dickerson is referring to, in this league, when you're playing at a level like an Aaron Donald or Lamar Jackson, or a Jalen Ramsey, or a Devontae Adams, or DeAndre Hopkins, and I can go all the way down the list with some of those great players. When you're playing at that level, your talent supersedes any of the underlying prejudice that may happen in this league. But once your play falls to a certain level where it doesn't supersede that prejudice, that's when you actually see it truly come out. With Colin Kaepernick, if he would have done this probably around 2013, 2012, at the height of his career, it probably would have not cost him his job in the NFL, in my personal opinion. Conversely, when we look at Tim Tebow, he is somebody that was kneeling as well back in 2010, 2011. They called it Tebowing. 
because he's kneeling, praying to God, things like that. Obviously, he works his religion on his sleeve, things of that nature. But when you see how Tim Tebow was not good at the quarterback position when he was playing in the NFL, he then was asked to move to tight end. He dismissed that because he felt that was a slap in the face because he's a quarterback, and he didn't want to do that. So then he goes, no longer playing in the NFL, he then goes to baseball. That doesn't work. The New York Mets went ahead and signed into their farm system, thinking that will bring uh, fans to their game, more of a ticket-based, uh, a higher higher ticket sales of the AA and AAA level. Then, a few years later, Tim Tebow decides he wants back in the NFL. But he's willing to play the position that he once scoffed at about nine years ago. But see, there's 31 teams that are like, uh... You're 33 years old. You're playing a position you never played before. We'll just go ahead and get a tight end in the draft or be a free agency. But there's one guy who was his college head coach who will actually go ahead and grant him that choice because Tim Tebow is obviously a great competitor. We all know that from his days in Florida and with the Denver Broncos. No doubt about it. But also, Tim Tebow is a great person. He's very religious. He wears it on his sleeve. That is something that a lot of people go ahead and swoon over, and they use that to go ahead and blind themselves to the fact that this kid is going to be 34 years old, I believe, this fall. He's playing a position he's never played before in his life. He last played in the NFL in 2012. That was my last year in the NFL, guys. So I guess by that logic – I should call up Jerry Jones, and I should ask Jerry Jones, hey, uh, I know I've never done it before, but can I play right guard for you this fall for the Dallas Cowboys? Can I play nose guard for you? Can I play? Can I be a place kicker? That's what type of message that is sending. So Eric Dixon is very suspicious that you will see a bevy of players that are not granted that wish. They're not granted that reprieve. They're not granted that opportunity for so many factors that I just laid out that – would be held against everyone else, but not Tim Tebow because of Urban Meyer. Stanford Rattles with us. All right, Stanford, I got a couple more bites to play for you. Here's here's Jimmy Smith uh, talking about the situation, and he is a big Tebow backer. It doesn't matter whether you're black or white. What matters is you got a great example of a player in Tim Tebow. Yeah. That's the guy I want to associate with. All right. He is very pro Tebow. And – I remember, Jim, uh, I remember, you know, Jimmy Smith watching him so for so many years playing as the receiver. You know, like I said, I'm a big fan, things like that. I get from his standpoint, he's worried about the Jaguars. He's worried about he doesn't want his team divided. He wants them to be as good as they possibly can be. Now, you got to ask Jimmy Smith, aside from the Tebow versus Colin Kaepernick type of question or discussion, ask him, does he feel, for the Jacksonville Jaguars, let's say that they go into the season with four tight ends on the roster. Ask him, does he truly feel that Tim Tebow occupying one of those tight end positions actually means that the Jacksonville Jaguars went out and acquired the best four tight ends they possibly could? I bet you he's gonna. I bet you he's gonna stutter and he's gonna hesitate before he gives that answer. Stanford Route is with us. All right, we move on. Uh, let's get into the big news of the day today, and that is the Broncos have cut Jawan James, who tore his Achilles, who's working out away from the facility. Boy, this one's rough, man. Uh, uh, to me, Stanford, ripple effect across the league. Players are not going to be happy about this. 
Oh, heck no, they're not going to be happy about it. But that's the nature of the NFL simply because we do not have fully guaranteed contracts like Major League Baseball or like the NBA. So at the end of the day, for players, and believe me, within this COVID, within this pandemic, it's such a slanted playing field right now because, oh, yeah, we're in a pandemic. And the NFLPA wants players to stay away from the facility and wants them to remain safe and always put them in the best possible position to go ahead and maintain that safety, a.k.a. you don't need to be at the facility in March, April, May, and June if you don't got to be and ain't no games being played. But then at the same breath, teams want to go and punish you if you get injured not on their dime, not on their watch, not on their field, not at their facility. They want to go and punch you. So it's definitely a double-edged sword right now in this pandemic. And that's just basically what it's going to be until the CBA changes or until we go ahead and simply put our foot down, fight and say, you know what, no more. We want fully guaranteed contracts. As long as NFL owners are going to be able to have this loophole, they will go ahead and continue to use this loophole because – NFL owners do not want to pay players. They will always try to get away with not paying a player, trying to draft you later than they can, trying to get you on the cheap. Oh, you're playing at a high level, and you're starting to make that large sum of salary when you get into the back-end loaded part of your contract? Oh, uh, let's go ahead and restructure because, you know, we've got to do something because, you know, Cooper is in retrograde, and we're not able to go ahead and pay you all that, really, because we don't want to pay you all that. So as long as there's going to be the dynamic of non-fully guaranteed contracts, we as players will always run into that type of situation where we are at a team's mercy. You know, it's it's a weird spot. Like I, I think on this show and me in particular, I've always been pro union, and I I support the union, and even what they're trying to do here uh, of trying to kind of force some offseason changes. But is this going to be enough to to really break, uh, not necessarily break the union, but break the players' wills of you know standing firm and trying to make a change to the offseason, knowing that you know this is now another player today, and Dyshawn Hamilton gets hurt off campus, and now the same thing might happen to him. Like, are players going to be able to stand strong this offseason with this happening? Hopefully, they will be able to stand strong because it's really a double edged sword. If I come into training camp out of shape. If I come into training camp where it looks like I've lost a step, what is my team going to do to me, guys? They're going to go ahead, demote me. They may cut me or trade me, something like that, because I came into training camp looking like I'm not playing at my optimum level. How do you maintain your optimum level in the offseason? You have to work out. So guess what? Anytime you walk out on a field, a basketball court, a tennis court, a gym, whatever, you run the chance of what? Injury. So it's really a double-edged sword, and I really hope that somehow, some way, the union is able to find a way to circumvent this simply because it's almost like in a lose-lose situation for the player. Oh, I want to avoid injury this whole season. I'm not going to work out. Well, then I come into training camp, and I'm not playing at my optimum level. Well, now the team has free reign to go ahead and demote me, trade me, cut me, wave me, things like that. So now I can't go and put food on my table for my family. So it really is kind of like a lose-lose situation for players in this pandemic right now because they're not supposed to be at the facility. But, oh, yeah, you still better make sure that you're in really good shape come first, uh, I'm sorry, last weekend of July, first weekend of, uh, first week of August for training camp. So I really hope that somehow, some way, 
this thing will work itself out. But I've learned more times than not, as long as teams have the hammer, as long as they have the power in a certain situation, as long as they have the leverage, you can damn sure believe every team is going to use said leverage in a situation with a player that's not a Pat Mahomes, a Tom Brady. I can't even say Aaron Rodgers because you can see Green Bay trying to use the little leverage they have against Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> well, part of part of the issue right now is that you know the union and and some players, especially veteran players don't want to have as many commitments in the offseason in terms of coming to the city, being at the facility, um, and being around there. And the teams are like, no, come to, come to the facility. We want you here all the time. Uh, I, I guess how important do you think it is for veteran players to force changes to the offseason program? We've seen it's working a little bit. Some teams are being flexible and saying, all right, we'll just do walkthroughs and sandals. Just come here and learn instead of actually you know putting the pads on and hitting each other. Uh, try to extend the career in that way. Like, how important is this to get real changes made to the offseason? It's very important because players want to go in and actually have a true offseason. Whereas, think about it. If you're some team that played in the playoffs, so let's say the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you ended your season early February. If you played in the AFC NFC title game like the Packers or like the Bills or something like that, your season ended in late January. Well, guess what? Come third week of April, you got to report for off-season workouts. And you guys have to understand this. Coaches, and mind you, I'm a high school football coach right now. Coaches are control freaks. I cannot remember, I can't count how many times I used to dread having to get on a plane and fly to the Bay Area of Northern California Also, I could go out there in 60-degree weather, 60 degrees, run and lift. I'm leaving 95-degree weather in Texas. Also, I can go to the Bay Area where I got to wear long sleeves in June because it's that cool. Also, I can run and lift all because the GM, the head coach, the DB coach, they want to be able to physically see me. They want to be able to physically touch me. And it's for nothing more than just simply being a control freak because they want to see you rather than have to actually go ahead and use faith or trust that he's actually down in Texas doing what he's supposed to be doing. It's nothing more than being a control freak because most so much of the offseason is just running and lifting, which is offseason workouts. You have OTAs, I think about 10 practices. You have one mandatory minicamp. That's about it. But the majority of the offseason is literally just running and lifting. It ain't actually putting on pads, one-on-ones against the receivers and DBs or the O-line, D-line. It's not that. The majority is just running with the strength coach, lifting in the weight room, and that's it. And then guess what? You're home by noon. You had to be up by about 8.30, and you're literally in Buffalo or Green Bay or Pittsburgh or some other city that nobody wants to live in unless they're from there. You're out there five days out of the week, all for those three hours a day. That's it. Stanford, we'll uh, we'll get you out of here. But I I keep reading there's a tiger on the loose in Texas. You mentioned that you're in Texas. You better either know where that tiger is or get out. Oh, hey, guys, trust me. I remember seeing that on Sunday night on the news. Please believe, I live outside the city. I live in the suburbs. I live in a gated community. So I'm away from that. But please, please believe, as a man who is – who loves wildlife, is a man who loves being around 
certain types of exotic animals when they have a leash on or when they're tamed or should I say trained properly. That was terrifying to me because I'm somebody who loves to take a brisk jog in my neighborhood with my yeah. AirPods on, with my earphones. Well, guess what? If you see the tiger, that brisk jog will turn into a, a new record hundred for you. Screw the ten three seven, you run a nine nine. And let me tell you something, guys. There's not a human alive. Yeah, I said it. There ain't a human alive that can outrun a tiger. <laughs> so, so no matter what, it is going to be a happy meal <laughs> for that tiger this evening. If if they, if someone is running out in that neighborhood and they do not know exactly what's about to happen, unfortunately. Stanford, you're awesome, man. Have a good weekend. We appreciate it. <laughs> you guys be good, man. Talk to you next week. There he is, the former Oakland Raiders, Stanford Route on Cofield and Company. We got Dick Girardi coming up. Take us through the whole Preakness scenario. This is nuts. Uh, race number two of the Triple Crown. And I mean, I guess the race is going to be cool tomorrow, but I, I, I don't know, man. I, Bob Baffert around the scenes, putting more horses into the whole thing. It's nuts. More of Cofield and Company is on the way, live in the Finley Toyota Studios. We don't mess around when it comes to food. It's the Fat Pack, brought to you by Nova Home Loans. And there's wine already for tasting, and there's Cadillacs all shiny and new. Gotta move. Fat Pack. Fat Pack. My Lord, I'm excited to see uh, music inside again, Adam. So I don't know when it's going to happen, but the fact that we got the uh, the info or the uh, CDC guidelines changed where we can have vaccinated people inside without masks. Hopefully live music is back and we can uh, hear uh, stuff like that. Sammy, right? Stuff like that. All right, the Fat Pack. Fat Pack on a Friday. Hmm. This is always all over the place. We talk about what we eat, what we cook, talk about conditioning, talk about weird stuff that people eat and we got one today this dude is what what is he like 610 400 I, I saw pictures of this uh what's his name ben cleveland ben cleveland he's a ravens rookie he's gigantic uh he eats yeah. he looks like uh, an offensive lineman listen to what he eats when uh food's running a little low I don't know if it was a specific diet. It's, it's more so one of those things where, you know, you eat what you got in the freezer uh, from the fall. So, you know, had a few had a few squirrels uh, freeze-dried in there. So, you know, get a little hungry. Ain't got no deer meat left. Fry up a squirrel or two and, uh, you know, just, just go eat that. Sure. Yep. <laughs> of course. I got, dude, I got you. Yep. Yeah, when, when, uh, when all you got left is squirrel, you, you know, you got to do what you got to do. You fry it up and uh, that's it. We got a break. Go on a break. We good. Everyone who good? hasn't been there? Who hasn't been there? Exactly. Yeah. I, I wow. just during our last during our last break, I was actually uh, just scrum, 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 uh, scrounging around. I don't know what the word is. Were Looking you, uh, for were something, you eating, and I was like, "Were you eating squirrel jerky or squirrel out of the air fryer?" Uh, well, it's it's a uh, it's frozen in the freezer with uh, the deer meat, so I had to look for it, and then he just started slapping the deer meat. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just do it in the front. What is he talking about? Who's got a freezer full of deer and squirrel? Ben, I guess he's, is the, he's, uh, he's, he's from Georgia. I don't know where to, is it like Tacoa, Georgia? I don't know where that is. 
Um, but I guess I guess squirrels on the menu. Uh, and this all started because apparently he had actually trimmed down a little bit near the end of his college career as he prepared for uh, the draft process. And he kind of joked about it before uh, that, yeah, it's a squirrel diet. So they kind of followed up on that with the, you know, the Ravens media. Oh my God. And he's like, well, not, and that's where he said, like, not necessarily a diet, just like, that's what you got. That's what you got. Like, this is, this is insanity. First of all, I wouldn't even, I don't know how to cook anything. We've discussed this before. I, I'm completely clueless. I have no idea what, how you would prepare a squirrel or what goes well with squirrel. How about prepping the squirrel in the first place? How about skinning the squirrel and then butchering a squirrel? I'm I'm just referring to if I have like a squirrel fillet already done. Like I'm not even we're not even getting into the dressing. Right. <laughs> yes. Adam's like I'll have the uh, ten ounce squirrel fillet. They're like ten ounce. It's uh, one and a half ounce max. Right. Ten ounce. <laughs> yes. It's the the squirrel flank. Is it's, it's not very impressive. How many, many friggin' squirrel? Does a 6'6", 235-pound offensive lineman have to eat before he's like, yummy, I am full. I feel like there's a lot more meat on a squirrel than you think. I don't know, man. Those things are, they are lean. Are they like, uh, are they crab legs? You have to dig and fight, just get a little tiny bit of strip of meat? Well, I mean, it's not swine. It's not pork. I suppose there's a chance Ari, you know, we will hashtag will Ari eat it. Maybe he's had squirrel. Maybe. <laughs> no. no <laughs> from the mean, he's from the mean streets of Philadelphia. We do have no squirrels chance. out there, uh, but yeah. no, you will never see this. Uh, some even describe, I'm reading this, uh, the squirrel meat as a hybrid of chicken and rabbit flavor. Mm-hmm. You guys know what rabbit tastes like? Yes. That's weird to me. Like, no. that's the normal thing. No. You've never had rabbit to- at, at one of the Brazilian barbecues? No. Really? No. It's it's uh, kind of a norm. It's pretty good. I would I would definitely turn the turn the coaster to red. <laughs> red the red light. Time. Yeah. No, thank you. It's just no. What about I, this? I, can't, I can't do it. If because they have a sweet and nutty taste, primarily primarily due to their natural food routine that includes walnuts, hazelnuts, almonds, even fruits and vegetables. That doesn't sound appealing to you at all. Um, I mean, the fruits and vegetables do. Not, not the squirrel part of it. It's, it's, no, I couldn't. No, garnish it with some almonds. Just, I guess, as Steve pointed out, like it's it's also it is very lean. Like I, I feel like it would just be like a, like not. I don't know. I don't think the flavor would be very good. I guess you, you have to do the, a lot of prep. You ready for this one? If uh, you can go online and go to uh, uh, sites where you can buy game meats, uh, there's a site that is pitching. Buffalo squirrel wings. Oh, no. They're not, I'll just tell you, the, the look of the wing, they're not real hearty. Yeah, like a little tiny. And actually, I'm guessing they're not actually the wings. I'm guessing they're not actually the the the, uh, the guns or the legs. Well, squirrel doesn't have wings. Okay. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's going to be it's going to be one of the legs. Uh, this is this is so I can't even I'm actually I like I proposed this like I sent you this story and now I'm just repulsed. You want to cover? So- you want to come over Sunday? I'm going to be uh, I'm hosting a, a couple of people on Sunday, and uh, we're going to make some squirrel. Now well, I'm going to go out and get squirrel. 
Luckily, I'm working, Steve. Uh, it's Golden Knights playoff game on Sunday, so I'm going to have to pass on the squirrel. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. It's Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Gambling. I'm going to kill your bookmaker. I'm going to rip his throat out. I will step on his throat until the man chokes. Let me tell you how. Winners, 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 winners. Free, 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 free. Time to get your money down. The Freakness is here. Now, if you can trust the results of the race, is another thing. Dick Girardi's with us. He was with us before the Kentucky Derby. Dick, of course, longtime scribe with the Philly Daily News. How are you, sir? I am very good. What's happening, my man? I mean, this was crazy. This this last this last week was nuts for the for the uninitiated people who aren't paying attention. Explain what happened after the Derby with a positive drug test, and then some of the stuff that Bob Baffert was throwing out there about uh, his winning horse. It was uh, bizarre. You're right. Nuts is a good one-word description of it. So Sunday, Baffert announced that Medina Spirit, the Derby winner, eight years, eight weeks, good Lord, eight days prior. It's got me crazy. Eight days prior, it tested positive for a substance that couldn't be in his system on race day. All right, that's fine. All right, we're dealing with that. And then Baffert says, well, there's one problem with that. He never was given the substance. You go, oh, wait a second, how is that possible? So Baffert goes on every show in America on Monday saying the same thing over and over again. And then finally on Tuesday says, oh, we didn't realize that he actually, there was this other thing he was given for a skin rash, and that contains the illegal substance. So that may be the reason why he had a positive drug test. And then Baffert disappeared, went back to California. The horse has entered and is running in the Preakness tomorrow. It will be adjudicated over time, probably take a couple of weeks to get the second test back, which is sort of like the second opinion that we would get with a doctor. Then they'll have a hearing in uh, Kentucky and decide what they're going to do about the Kentucky Derby. You know, the problem with the the latest excuse of, of what happened is that Baffert's been caught so many times with his horses cheating. That's the problem. Within the last year, um, as you said, he's had several different positives. Now, here's the complicating factor. Most people, and I I get it, are just going to say, hey, positive drug test, end of story. In horse racing, there are things what is known as therapeutic medications, which are legal to use on horses in training. They just can't still be in the horse's system on race day. Um, And that's what happened to Baffert. Uh, None of these drugs in particular would be considered performance enhancers. But the rules are the rules, and you're just not supposed to have it still in the system. And, and he's, as you said, it's happened a handful of times within the last year. So it's a bad look for him, a very bad look for the game. And most of the public said they're just going to see uh, Derby winner test positive bad news. What a, I'm, I'm really clueless on horse race betting. And believe, believe me, I was, you know, it's funny. I was around it for a, a while as a, as a kid, uh, cause I actually worked at Monmouth Park in New Jersey, but you know, I wasn't, I wasn't getting the tickets. I was serving freaking soup, but whatever. I was around the, I was around the horse race. <laughs> I was around it. So like it, it's, it is a cool deal, but like from a betting standpoint, what does that even mean? A uh, horse wins and then a couple weeks later it's stripped. Like, what happens? Do they name the runner-up the winner? And then do people who bet the runner-up, if they kept their tickets, they get money? No. And well, let me go back. Yes and no. The runner-up will be named the winner if, in yeah. fact, they decide to disqualify this horse. 
but the people who bet on the runner-up are, in a, in a word, screwed. Uh, oh once God. it's official, yeah, once it's official, there's really nothing they can do. I mean, think about how chaotic it would be, right? All right, we're going to pay off the people who bet on Medina Spirit. Now, what, a month later, we're going to pay off these people, but most of the people don't even have their tickets anymore. It would right. just be chaos. It just, it's just a shame. It's, it's just really, really unfortunate. Well, what if the runner-up goes on to win the last two races? He's not running tomorrow, so he's out of the okay. series. <laughs> All right, good enough. Good enough. But it's a good, well, it's a great question. That's a yeah. great question. Shouldn't, yeah, I mean, shouldn't you run it just trainer, in case? The trainer said after the Derby, we're not running in the Preakness. Then when this thing happened, they all called him from Pimlico. He says, you want to change your mind? You know, you might have a chance to win the yeah. Triple Crown here. Yeah. But he didn't. He said it'll be in litigation for years, and he's probably right. Yeah. So how how do some of the other, you know, owners and trainers react when, you know, Baffert is so well-known and is, you know, famous in the in the horse world, and yet you're, the other trainers are like, you know, what are we doing? Are we, we're going to keep competing against this guy? Like, is there protest? Is there anger? Like, what's the reaction? Yeah, look, they're not happy, uh, obviously, when they think somebody else is doing something to uh, enhance the performance of their horse. Yeah, clearly they're not going to be happy, and it's not happening to other guys. That's why I say it's just it's such a nuanced thing, and, and not being obviously a vet uh, and understanding all the ins and outs of these different um, legal medications. You d- you wonder, you know, if it were up to me, I'd get rid of all of them, and then you, then you wouldn't have any problem, right? Just you can't nothing. It's out. Just you know, hay, oats, and water, and and that's it. And if the horse isn't sound enough to run, then don't let, he just doesn't run. He goes to the farm until he feels better, or they retire. Um, but that's not the world we live in. So yeah, there are people upset, absolutely, and and I understand. So what what should we be looking for? What are I mean, obviously the big storyline coming into this race for a lot of people is just what happened in the Derby. But what is the storyline for you in the Preakness? Well, I'm trying to cash a ticket. I got to be honest with you, <laughs> <laughs> right? Let's be realistic here. It's about gambling, and uh, and that that first and foremost, I want to try to do that. So. I'm thinking, um, I actually like the five horse tomorrow, Midnight Bourbon, ran six in the Derby, and I think he's way better than that. The problem is, apparently, I'm not the only one that likes him. A lot of money came in on him today, uh, so he may be undervalued by the time this thing ends. But, yeah, I'm, I'm liking Midnight Bourbon and try to beat Medina Spirit tomorrow. Um, but Dina Spirit's a good horse. You know, forget all the other stuff, the extraneous stuff. He started six times with three wins in three seconds. It's not like he has, has ever run a bad race, and he has. He's a very, very talented horse. How do you think the uh, betters are going to approach concert tour? Yeah, I think they're going to give him a lot of credibility, and they should. I mean, he was undefeated going into the Arkansas Derby. He finished a pretty good third. Um, so, yeah, I think he's going to get a lot of play. If he had won the Arkansas Derby, he was probably going to go to Kentucky as the favorite. But he didn't, and, and frankly, I'm a little down on him. I, I couldn't come up with an excuse why he didn't run better. Um, so I'm going to try to beat him tomorrow. But, yeah, I think he's going to get a lot of attention by the betters. Is there any long shot where you're like, maybe, maybe I need to insure a little bit on this one? Yeah, I'm going to – I don't know, know about winning, but one that I think may be able to hit the maybe second, third, fourth is nine, perfectly named risk-taking, uh, has a couple of good races – Love his bloodlines. The trainer's terrific, as is the rider. You just keep waiting for that breakthrough race. And 
This was actually entered a week ago up in a stakes race at Belmont Park, and trainer Chad Brown said, you know what, I think he's a little better than that. We'll scratch him out of this race and run him in the Preakness, and guy I have a lot of respect for. So if he thinks his horse has some opportunity, uh, I would tend to agree with that. Again, I don't think the win, but if you're playing like my five midnight bourbon, maybe play a five nine exactly. Uh, we talked about the setup and the crowd for the Derby. I think the crowd is capped at a much smaller number for the Preakness, right? Isn't it only like 10K? That's exactly right. Uh, yeah, and everything's a reserve seat. Like, if you don't have a ticket, you're not getting in. There's no general admission. Um, you know, and, I, and I grew up in Baltimore, and I've been at, I don't know, so many Preaknesses I lost count, but it's a giant deal in the city of Baltimore, and not to be, for the second year in a row now, not to be able to have the infield and the Yep. The rock concerts and everything. It's really unfortunate. But you know what? We're having the race, and there were no people last year, so we're heading in the right direction with ten grand this year. This is a question I'm not even sure you can answer because I think it's track by track. If we had, like, a race commissioner, we'd probably get an idea what the hell's going on for the Belmont. It's very interesting. Uh, Dick Girardi's with us. Uh, if, well, we just saw the CDC say yesterday that, hey, no masks for people who are fully vaccinated. Why shouldn't the Belmont then have, like, 100,000 people at it in a couple of weeks? That's a really great question. See, some, some uh, Belmont Park is actually on Long Island, so it, maybe they will be able to uh, in three weeks. I think Maryland just didn't have enough time, right? Because right? it just happened yesterday, so they went 48 hours notice to say, hey, come on in, 100,000 people. I don't think that's going to happen. So, yeah, I, I would think that there's a chance by that uh, time in Belmont Park uh, that they'll let a lot more people in. I sure hope so. Um, it'd be great. And, you know, a, one of the problems is, of course, the vaccination thing's on the honor system. <laughs> so you don't know if people are telling the truth or yeah. not, right, if they show up maskless. No. Uh, so, so it is. I, I found that interesting yesterday. This is off topic, but the CDC said, yeah, anybody that's vaccinated, well, nobody knows who's vaccinated. <laughs> Dick, the, Dick the, honor, the honor system always works, man. It always has. It no, always doesn't will. it ever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, see you, buddy. We appreciate it. Have a great weekend. I hope you win. You got it. Thanks. Appreciate it. You know. There he is. Dick Girardi, a uh, longtime newspaper guy in Philly, uh, does some radio. Uh, Adam, I think, uh, probably read him from time to time covering college basketball. He's all over the uh, the Philly college basketball scene. All right, 5 o'clock hour is on the way. We're going to uh, grab another one of the opponents who's coming into town. Uh, Raiders schedule release, and the Raiders have nine different teams coming into town. Ravens are going to be one of them on Monday Night Football. And uh, Kadri Ismail, he's not on the team now, but he covers the Ravens, played for the Ravens. He's going to join us in about 30 minutes. Cofield and company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas.